The War Report News provides African-centered theme entertainment programming through digital content creation in the form of book reviews, insightful interviews, literature, podcasting, and audiovisual essays, which promote strategic, active thinking for Africans across the diaspora. The objective of this platform is to elevate analytical, critical, practical, logical, pragmatic, and solution-oriented thinking amongst biologically sound, saying Africans amidst of cultural confusion. We must debunk insanity of the pseudo-conscious intellectual fantasy of cultural capitalist cliques of boulet-minded Negroes. Welcome to another episode of The War Report. This is your host, Brother Zolani. Today's episode is titled, New African Consciousness in the Concrete Jungle. Um, Today's guest is a powerful brother, um, a a historian, uh, an activist, uh, an organizer, uh, I I look at him as a minister of information for how much he knows dealing with, uh, you know, our liberation struggle and political, different black organizations and political movement. Welcome my, uh, welcome to my comrade, my brother, Haki Kwali Shakur. What's going on, my brother? Revolutionary greetings, free the land, free the land. Everything is good. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is a long time coming. Uh, you know, we've been playing like phone tag offline and trying to tap in with each other, but due to me being shadow banned, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to keep in constant c- communication with people. So I'm glad you uh, accepted the offer to come on to the uh, World Report News podcast. I appreciate you, my brother. So uh, speak on your origins. Like, who is Hockey ha- Quality Shakur? Like, what's your background? Uh, I definitely would uh, uh, like to say thank you for, you know, bringing me on to the, your podcast, man. Yeah, like you said, it's been a long time coming, but, you know, you can't stop the movement. The movement is continual movement. Moving, I mean, excuse me. Um, as far as the origins of a hockey quality shot core, man, I would take it back to uh, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I'm from Virginia, um, born and raised. Um, I mean, coming from a, you know, uh, a new African proletariat working class family because uh, I don't like to say middle class family because you know there's no such thing as a middle class for black people in America. So, um, I would say, um, uh, from a you know new African working class household, I had both parents in my household, but that still that still didn't, didn't teeter me away from what was going on outside my household with the oppression of our people and you know. Uh, getting caught up in the street politics and things of that nature. So coming up in Richmond was was very, very, very tough, uh, hard times. Uh, you know, a lot of things within my household made me see a lot of things clear, um, along with the street life, you know, uh, participating in street organizations, uh, you know, uh, criminal lifestyle, criminal life, things of that nature, um, helped build me up to who I am today. And, and still seeking to try to, you know, find out who I am and my purpose and my destiny in this world. So, you know, um, uh, I'm a historian. I really don't like to use the word activist too much. Uh, I, I'm a new African revolutionary nationalist, period. 
And, um, okay. you know, um, I do a lot of work uh, centered on, you know, the new African independence movement history and things of that nature. Uh, but what really uh, created who I am today, I will have to say, come from the Black Liberation Movement, the Black Liberation st- Struggle, and also, you know, the, the freedom fighters of that struggle, uh, the political prisoners and prisoners of war. So a lot of that influenced me to, you know, create who I am today. That's what's up, man. I appreciate the, uh, you know, that, that opens the conversation to really flow. Uh, so speak on, like, some of your influences. You said uh, the Black Liberation Movement. Like, who are some of the people that you look up to or study uh, you know, the model to model yourself after as a man. Right. Um, I would say, first of all, you know, without these two brothers, you know what I'm saying, and the work that they put in, you know, coming from the street element, I would have to give shout outs to my uh, my mentor first is, is, is truly my uh, first, you know, influence out of many because I know this brother personally, he's family. I would have to say Sanyika Shakur, a.k.a. Monster Cody, is one of my heavy, 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 heavy influence, influences today. He's the reason why I even carry the name Shakur. Him and uh, Dr. Matulu Shakur, I would say those are my two uh, top-tier influences. But um, outside of them, I would say, you know, Queen Mother Moore, Malcolm X, um, George Jackson, uh, Franz Fanning, um, our, our ideological teacher, uh, other Black Liberation Army. I got to throw him in there because if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't be no uh, August 3rd Collective, uh, New African People's Liberation Army. I got to throw a Tiba Shani in there, uh, a.k.a. Uwusu Yaki Yakubu, if y'all don't know who he is. Uh, this brother has great work out here, books out here, that's influenced heavy by Franz Fanning and um, other revolutionaries. Uh, it's it's so many to name. It's it's too many to name. Mm. <laughs> but it, it's a, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot though. Uh, a couple of more names in there. Uh, who else can I throw in there? Um, outside of Shakur, of course. Uh, the, the Shakur tribe, of course. Uh, Zaid, um, mm-hmm. Lamumba. Uh, definitely got to give a shout out to the father of the Shakur tribe. Um, uh, Al Hodge. Uh, um, Saladin Shakur. That's a heavy influence coming out of the Malcolm X. Uh, movement of the Afro, all the African American Unity Organization. Uh, Sekou Odinga. Uh, there's so many, man. Especially the women. I gotta just, I gotta put that out there. The women of the New African Independence Movement. Uh, Dara, uh, Ab- Abu Bakari, people of that nature. Fulani, uh, mm. Sunny Ali. Uh, may she live forever. May her revolutionary spirit live forever. Uh, Nahanda Abiodun. Um, it's a whole lot of people, man. There's so many names. But I, I got to throw the Pan-Africanists in there, man. Marcus Garvey, uh, Kwame Nkrumah, uh, Emil, Emil Cockerbrow, uh, Patrice Lumumba. Uh, you know, everybody like that, man. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Man, yeah, I, I kind of figured you had a whole uh, list of names to name off because, like, George Jackson is one of my biggest influences, uh, just reading the book, Blood in My Eye, like, changed my life, like, forever. Most definitely, uh, yeah. Wretched of the Earth uh, by Fran Fanon, uh, Black Skin, White Mask, like, Amos Wilson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yep. list goes on. The list goes uh, on. People that put in work. So talk about, because political education is very important to me. 
uh, and being aware. And I see a lot of people online that talk like African-centered this or we need to just only read black literature. And mm-hmm. Amos Wilson said, you have to read all different literatures and come with it with like an African-centered or like a, a, a like a, a so like being aware of like within yourself how it affects you. Right. So speak on the importance of political education because I know George Jackson uh, talks about the African dictator right. in blood in my eye, and it's a lot of like cult following now in the quote unquote so called conscious community. Right. So speak on the importance of political education and how the current movement has gotten away from. Uh, political education, but also the disrespect of our sister, but also the disrespect of our elders as well. Right, right. Yeah, um, that, that's the whole thing with the conscious community thing is that uh, uh, I, I would just, you know, I would just like to say to brothers and sisters to understand that, you know, uh, sometimes when we're trying to find ourselves and we're trying to, uh, uh, you know, liberate our minds off those off those chains of slavery and that mental colonialism and things of that nature. I mean, we tend to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being African-centered. That's something that I, I have to put out there because I'm African-centered. I consider myself Pan-African. So the, the, the thing is, there's nothing wrong with being African-centered, you know, as the basis, because that's, that's one of the most important things that you need to develop yourself, to liberate yourself and liberate your mind and to get back into finding out who your true identity is, who your true self is, uh, and things of that nature. But I, I, I would say things in the conscious community and some of these conscious cats, uh, I think they, I think one side of educating themselves, it, it, it affects them in a negative way. And what I mean by that is that is is what the elders say. You become like a, 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 a culturalist. You see what I'm saying? You get stuck in a culturalist. Uh, um, mind state and you're not truly you're not truly developing yourself into what you truly need to be developing yourself in which is i deem as a you know a revolutionary period yeah you know what i'm saying yeah period yeah it's a fact uh 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 the poor chop nationalist as uh you know a lot the black panther party we use that a lot uh i'll call it uh cultural confusion yep um Shea butter nationalism, uh, yeah, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> people wearing a dashiki, like it's a costume, like it's yeah, uh, conscious clout chasing. It's like everybody wants to be the top dog, wants to put out information, wants to lecture, wants to do interviews, but don't want to build and organize outside of social media. Like, social media should only be used as a small uh, uh, bridge for mobilizing. Right. But it shouldn't be the only thing that you're using because the feds and, you know, Cointel, I could say Cointel Negro. Right. Uh, it's a lot of Cointel Negroes yeah. that's misguiding people and leading them straight to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that you're saying. Yeah, because that that's the thing. That's the biggest hole in the conscious community and that's the biggest anchor of the conscious community is that they these these individuals have become culturalists so they don't see nothing outside of just how they dress the part look the part uh speak these fancy deep pseudo words and you know don't get me wrong and this is something i gotta throw out there because i feel like this is 
a, it's a hindrance to a certain degree. And this is why political education mm -hmm. is so important, is that you have culturalists, spiritualists also, who are also stuck in a, a standstill of development because only thing they are, are striving for is to see who has the deepest spiritual beliefs, who has the who has the deepest uh words, the biggest words, the like like the mm -hmm. like the facade of being a spiritualist. Like I feel like that's a hindrance also. So the key to mm -hmm. it all is that you got people that and these two these two type of things, being a culturalist and a and a, a, a over deep spiritualist, it turns you into an individualist. You know, you know what I'm saying? You, mm -hmm. you, you become you, you become captured in the individualist mind state. And so the only thing that you're looking out of your you know to get out of your people is to exploit your people. You see what I'm saying? Because, yeah, culture because you become a culture, culture vultures. Yes, you become yep. a culture vulture. So a that, cultural capitalist. Yep, a cultural capitalist. <laughs> all these <laughs> all, all these things are rooted in that thing of being a culturalist. And are over spiritualist. See, I like to call them over spiritualist because they they not they not they not balancing they not balancing the truths of, of of you know the physical realm and the spiritual realm. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole nother, right, right, that's a, right, right. That's a whole another topic. But But political education, bro. Political education is the most important because now you are developing yourself to understand your material struggle, your material realm, your material. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everyday. Uh, uh, oppression, your national oppression. See, a lot of that culturalist stuff and that spiritualist stuff, it, it, it makes you accept your oppression. Political, edu mm -hmm. political education gives you the energy and the power to face your material oppression and to face your oppressor. You see what I'm saying? So, as you, yes, and, and, so a political education is just like what you said a few minutes ago. You know, it's about developing yourself politically to understand your economic social reality and and what comes with uh -huh. that and what comes with that is the fact that it it, it builds you up to want to organize with people you want to get out in the community and, and and organize amongst the oppressed and to gather the oppressed and teach the oppressed and, and you know to fight back and struggle back against this capitalist oppression system so political education is key man like without political education there's no way you can understand your oppression you can there's no way you can understand what's going on in your household which is the first mm -hmm. which is the first organization you will ever be become a part of so political education and all these things help you understand that and, and it's sad to see a lot of these popular cultural vulture uh uh leaders conscious community people who who leave out that that significant point, which is political education. And that's why those people are nothing but, you know, brainwashed followers. Most definitely, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the, the, the dialogue that we're having. Uh, talk about the importance of vetting within a black political organizational infrastructure. Because a lot of people will let people in. Right. And I've seen it organizing on the ground with a different organization. I'm not going to name the names of the organization. Right. Uh, follow that with leadership within the organization because I wanted to see some kind of political education model similar to like Fre Chairman Fred uh, Hampton Singh was talking about in the murder of Fred Hampton, the documentary. Mm -hmm. Like each member that comes into the Black Panther Party for self defense can't become a member until uh, six weeks of political education right. and they can run down the ideology of the party and then. Uh, George Jackson in blood in my eye. Jonathan, he 
put like a snippet of like letters that Jonathan wrote to him talking about the purpose of like vetting and always vetting. Right. Like always checking in and like just drilling the people within the ranks rank and file of like your vanguard party or right. your your what you doing as far as liberation for African people, new African people. Right. So talk about the importance of that. Because there's a lot of people that will let, like we're speaking on the conscious community, anybody could just come out and they talking this good, feel-good rhetoric, mm-hmm. this uh, showbiz liberation rhetoric, uh, this intellectual fantasy. Right. So speak on the importance of vetting within, you know, black political organizational infrastructure. Man, that, that I'm glad you brought that up because that is the most important part of it all. Like dealing with any black political organizational infrastructure, um, like like you know, we already we already have like the models of our elders that came before us, like the Black Panther Party, the Black Liberation Movement, and things of these nature. See, a lot of these conscious community people, they just like the the the, the how can I put it? They just like the the feel good part of what they seen from these organizations. So they they mm-hmm. they are trying to throw those little They'll try to throw those little things in there to try to get people to follow them to get the attention on them and things of that nature. But they're not working within that whole conscious community or that organization or whatever they group they're trying to get these people to follow. They're not they're not implementing these type of black political organizational rules and methods of 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 organizing organize organizational infrastructure. And the key the, the number one thing of it all is that man. Uh, uh, our elders back then, man, you couldn't join none of these organizations if you didn't go through the background check. The background check was the most important thing of joining an organization in the in, in the sixties, the fifties, right, right, 70s. right. So what you know, the background. You check, mind if I go ahead? Go ahead. You mind if I interject? Yeah, go ahead. Talk about it because you ran, the, you were a part of street tribes and street organizations. So my question is: Is that similar? Like you got to get vetted as far as like the the things that you would do in the street right. to like get your stripes, or can you just come in like the situation I can think of a six nine right. would be like exactly. the greatest example exactly. yep. of somebody not looking looking at it from like uh uh being political, but he was from outside of culture, but just looking at it from a perspective of right. he just up and joined exactly right yeah it's 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 very similar because. Uh, people got to understand the street organizations uh, and street tribes and things of that nature, man. They're, they're, they're organizations. They're, they're organizations that's not fully politically educated, but they are their structure and organization and their foundation comes off of the black liberation struggle and the black liberation movements and organizations. So that, that little element right there, that, that one little element they, they took from those organizations come from them and which is like things that nature vetting and uh, these background checks before you can join the organization and things of that nature. And matter of fact, in 2020, I think that's one of the most important things that we need to focus on moving forward in this decade is bringing back and implementing those things that our elders did and implement those things that street tribes do, is, which is that, that background check, that vetting, make sure that this individual is legit. Because uh, um, when those organizations and things of that nature, those street tribes and things of that nature, when they stopped doing that, that is when they got infiltrated by the COINTELPRO mm-hmm. and FBI, the police, 
uh, um, all these uh, law enforcement agencies. That was the weakness that actually got them inside these organizations to destroy them is, what, is when they started lacking on the uh, background check before you can even join this rank and file organization. You feel me? So uh, that that right. is the most important thing. And, and, and the second thing after that is like what you said. You couldn't join these organizations unless you went through a strict training process of political education. You had to know everything that you were reading, taught, you see what I'm saying? In right. order for you to or somebody or somebody has to vouch for you that's like a comrade of somebody that's already been involved. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I could use example when people like reach out to me, I've built with like a lot of these guys that are lecturing and so called self proclaimed master teachers. Right. But a lot of people are sending me like links and I'm blocked on their page because I don't have somebody accountable. Right. And then somebody has screenshotted and sent it to me. And then they asked me what my thoughts is on the person. I was like, well, honestly, I don't rock with him because he's uh, politically illiterate. Right. So then people get mad at me and choose sides because they think I'm being divisive. Right. But I, it's not like I came out and like, in the, in the past, I was exposing people that was out here taking advantage. But right. like now that I'm older, like in my 30s, I, I, I was wasting and exerting energy in the wrong space. Basis. Right, right. Uh, uh, and then I just had to refocus myself and like deprogram myself from the foolishness that was going on. And I, I could talk about the problem all day, but if I'm not building nothing, right. or I'm getting I'm getting slandered, that was the main thing. You know my uh, my political history of being shadow banned and my page being reported. Exactly. Yeah. People was like they they wanted to see my hear my content. But I had to figure out a way where I couldn't get blocked on my page, couldn't get reported or even videos like on YouTube. Right. One of my YouTube pages got shut down. Right. And due to me having video content up, now that I had an audio and this on podcasting and audio streaming platforms, uh, kind of similar to what you're doing with the Our Story Bantu History at Film, right. uh, the radio show that you own. Right. Uh, but they can't report the audio. So it makes it a lot more difficult and they can't like slander me by things that I'm saying because now I have a voice and a platform to defend myself. Right. And that was one of the main reasons why I went to media school. So uh, talk about the importance of what you're doing with our story, Bantu History at Film, but talk about the importance of creating our own propaganda within uh, the Black Liberation Movement and the African Liberation Movement right. for our people. Yeah, um, I definitely, uh, you know, uh, with the uh, with the our story thing on Bad Two FM, uh, I met this great sister. Um, Bad Two FM is owned and operated by this sister out of uh, uh, Zambia and uh, Zimbabwe. A uh, great, powerful Pan African sister, and uh, I've been dialoguing and talking with her over the last uh, year or two, a couple, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and she really wanted to uh, launch this platform so we can, uh, mm. you know you know, start to unify brothers and sisters in the African diaspora uh, and um, brothers mm -hmm. and sisters on the African continent, because we are, you know, we know for a fact that, you know, this, this, this technology is advancing this, um, you right. know, um, and that, and, you know, that always been something central to the black liberation struggle, the pan-African struggle. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It, it's crazy. It, it's crazy that you're saying that. I remember re like, Studying, re like re 
breathing through blood of mine, George Jackson talked about technological warfare in yes. yeah. in the 70s, like before he was assassinated. And it's important that we learn how to use this type of technology to our advantage. Because yes. we can't depend on people like Vlad TV or, uh, you know, the Breakfast Club right. or, you know, even though our people go to them and uh, people get upset with me when I say I feel like the people that are supposed to be so-called conscious thought leaders are really pseudo-conscious in their thinking. Right. If you think you could go on Vlad TV, if you think you could go on uh, The Breakfast Club, if you think you could go on these uh, Adam No Jumper, whatever right. these other podcasts are that aren't relevant to our culture, uh, I think it's a hindrance more than it, it helps us. Uh, so what? Speak on the importance of like that as well. Yeah, that that is like creating our own platform. Yeah, yeah, that that's a total hindrance because we already know those those type of media outlets are not going to be focused on new African people, African people. Period. Anyway, you know they they're they're just mm -hmm. trying to exploit these people. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, it's all about a capitalist agenda. So we already know those media outlets are already compromised and you know they they are only out for capital capitalism anyway but the importance of the mm -hmm. importance of us to create our own anyway is for us to you know um and you know like i always try to tell people bro like it's it's good propaganda and there's bad propaganda we however you look at it we got to use that propaganda to our advantage so creating these media creating mm -hmm. these media outlets to popularize our struggles to push our own propaganda is very important because this is something that's been uh, part of our history and our story, period. So this is why me and the sister, this is why me and the sister got together um, to to help create the platform of Bantu FM. You know what I'm saying? To bring back that element of our struggle because we know that was an important struggle of our elders is to control the narrative, to control the media, right. to uh, teach our brothers and sisters uh, uh, the truth that they're trying to suppress and repress that we know we cannot get out through our historical enemies media outlets, the, those Quarantel Pro outlets, mm -hmm. those CIA media outlets. So we got to create our own uh, media outlets in order to push our propaganda to show our people that, you know what I'm saying, the history that they're not getting, they're not being taught, and um, to let them know that we exist, that they're, that this movement that right. this movement exists. You see what I'm saying? So we got Absolutely. we got yep. to create our own uh, media outlet and entities and things of that nature. And, you know, to you know, the, the the total goal of it all is Pan-Africanism. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was just doing some research uh, on the CIA. Right. And I was looking up, following the story of Gary Webb, just digging back into what he did with exposing, the, uh, you know, the Contras and the CIA relationship to bring uh, crack cocaine into the black community. Right. Uh uh, John Singleton did a, a wonderful job. Rest in power mm -hmm. to John Singleton for what he did with Snowfall. Yeah, rest in power. Yep. That that was that was amazing. Um, and and before I go into that, to that, I was looking up uh Operation. I think it's called Mockingbird, where the CIA had different journalists on their payroll. Yes. Yep. Operation um, Mockingbird. Uh, can you speak? Are you familiar with that? Can you uh, speak on that? Yeah, I'm a I'm a little familiar uh, uh, of it, but I haven't done uh, a 
enough deep research on it, but I, I definitely know what you're talking about with the, uh, the aspect of them having like uh, media, uh, popular media uh, uh, head uh, under their payroll. That's something that's been going on, uh, you know, ever since, you know, like the Garvey days, to be honest with you. That, that right, goes, right. That goes, sure. that goes, Absolutely. That goes back to the Marcus Garvey days because, uh, you know, you know, CIA media, that's their, that's their power. Media is their power. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Because, Absolutely, because whoever, whoever absolutely. Controls the media, they they control the population, and that's something that absolutely that's something that, that's something that a lot of these uh you know quote unquote conscious uh uh popular uh um, celebrities get caught up in. Also, they're falling for the trap of, of CIA media and Quantel Pro Media by putting out the uh, uh the the stuff they putting out that's misleading our people now. You see what I'm saying? Uh, uh, as, they they're as, taking advantage of these uh uh. Um, these pimps, these community pimps. You see what I'm saying? These conscious community pimps. Uh, absolutely. And using that, and using them, using them against us. Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree. So, talk. Uh, uh, I'm big on uh, Fanon, uh, George Jackson. Yes. Uh, I recently got introduced to James Carr. Yes. Which I was not familiar with. So, speak on James Carr. But I want to. Uh, give you like the contest on the political contest where I'm going okay. from it. Like in San Quentin prison during the, uh, the, the prison movement when George was alive and uh, W.L. Nolan. Right. Talk about the importance of transitioning and you can speak on this from personal experience. Right. The street mentality transitioning to the black gorilla ideology, mentality, political philosophy. Speak on that. Right, 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 and and that's that's the basis of George Jackson University is that uh, the work we try to do within George Jackson University is uh, the motto is transforming uh, the criminal mentality into a, a revolutionary mentality, uh, turning uh, prisons into cages, and um, those individuals, man, that you're speaking of, man, like oh man, like those those are the backbone of, of, of the struggle. You know what I'm saying? Not not even just inside the wall, but on outside of the wall, because their influence is just as heavy outside of the wall. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I speak on uh, speak on Jonathan Jackson, too, and then uh, I, I would like to eventually, because this is a good uh, transition towards the history of what Black August right. is and the importance of Black August. Right, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, those individuals, man, like uh, uh, James Carr, um, W.L. Nolan, um, uh, all those individuals, man, are, are, are esteemed ancestors, man, that, that put it down inside the prison walls. And, and, and that's the thing people got to understand is that, you know, a lot of us, um, you know, that have become who we are today, we had to come from something in order for us to transform ourselves into what we have become because we have not always been what we are, except for a few individuals that might have been raised by revolutionaries and might have been raised in revolutionary mm -hmm. households, which, you know, is very, you know, which, right. is very, you know, that's in a minority few. But the majority of us, majority mm -hmm. of us had to go through that process. We had we had to make that process and that step mm -hmm. from the uh, street mentality, the criminal mentality and, and transforming ourselves into mm -hmm. what we are today. You know what I'm saying? As revolutionaries and uh, organizers and political social activists. Uh, James Carr, for example, man, was an individual, man, that uh, George Jackson met in prison. And, you know, both of these brothers come from the streets, uh, 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 you know, street uh, organizations, street tribes and things of that nature, man. And, you know, 
the example that they put down is the thing that we have to study and look at. Uh, um, a book I suggest people to get is James Paul book called Bad. That is one of the uh, uh, great publications that you could get on uh, individual like James Carr that went to prison and you know transformed himself when he met George Jackson and um, W. L. Nolan and these great brothers of the Wolf Pack, which was a street gang inside the prison that they were a part of, and and how they how they got mm-hmm. together, and, you know, uh, and started reading. The uh, one of the, the you know the the most important step of revolution and evolutionary. Uh, change of, of, you know, liberating yourself out of the colonial subject mentality is reading. You know what I'm saying? Every every elder... Political, political education. education. You see what I'm saying? Like George Jackson said. George Jackson said uh, when, he, when, he, when he met Mao, when he met Marxism, when he met all the, uh, you know, Ho Chi Minh, when he met all this, when he, when he started gathering all this great literature of, of political education, it, it, he said it redeemed him. You see what I'm saying? It redeemed him, it redeemed him mm. as a man. It, 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 it brought him back out of the, uh, uh, you know, out of the death into, you know, light. You know what I'm saying? So all these individuals, all the way down to Jonathan Jackson, man. We definitely got to throw Jonathan Jackson in there. Who? who yeah, you know, please, please that, speak on him. You know what I'm saying? Courageous young brother, man. Uh, uh, new African gorilla, man. The new African communist that, you know, chose to, you know, he chose to make the ultimate sacrifice man, for our freedom and, and for our struggle, you know what I'm saying, in, in order to free his brother, Jonathan Jackson, who was, you know, you know, being taught by his brother and other elders of the uh, Black Liberation Movement at the time, other Black Panther Party and things of that nature. This young brother was courageous that, you know, he led uh, a slave rebellion on the courthouse in Marin City, one of our modern day slave uprisings, slave rebellions on the courthouse. And, and uh, man, we got to always keep that young brother in the house and guards and uh, as an esteemed ancestor and somebody that we can learn and teach our babies about, teach our kids about that this young brother at 17 years old made the ultimate sacrifice and chose to ride for our people and to die, uh, you know, to, to destroy the capitalist prison system, to be honest with you, bro. Indeed, indeed. And uh, Black August, what's the uh, importance of Black August? Because a lot of people don't, some of our people well, don't yeah. know about it. So speak Speak to it so people can understand we have commemoration of people that right. are putting in work and are still currently uh, new African political prisoners right. of war. Uh, not not just inside of the confinement of four walls, but right. the streets, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, can be seen as the concrete right. jungle where blood is being spilled in the gutters and the sewers across, not just here in North America, but uh, across exactly. the diaspora. Yeah, um, Black August, man, something that, you know, like you said, a lot of our people don't uh, know too much about because it's not one of those uh, propagandized, popularized, you know, uh, type of uh, commemoration, you feel me? So, you know, people, the first thing people got to understand that Black August is not a holiday month. It's, it's not a new Black History Month. No, it's a month of commemorating those individuals who took those ultimate sacrifices for the Black liberation of New African and African people, Pan-African people globally, is that this is a month that set out, uh, that was created by individuals um, inside the wall and outside of the wall, because I got to shout out those elders who who took what was inside the wall and they spreaded it outside of the wall, because people got to understand, people got to understand the total context of our struggle, that we ourselves as new Africans are prisoners of war. We were brought to this country 
We were brought to mm-hmm. this country as prisoners of war. And just because you can walk around every day in this white man's society don't mean that you're free and you're out of those shackles of being labeled a prisoner of war. No, you're a prisoner of war because you're still a captured nation. You're still a captured people that's under this white colonial domination and this uh, uh, this abusive relationship with the empire of the United States of America. So Black August is that month for us to put all that on the table. Individuals decided behind the wall when George Jackson was assassinated, when um, um, Jonathan Jackson and those combatants of the uh, August 7th uh, Liberation Army ch- chose to ride or die that day is the fact that, you know, these individuals that were, you know, this this is this the number one thing. People got to understand this. When you go to prison, your struggle as a black man, a black woman, a new African man, new African woman, the racism, the repression, the brutality uh, of, of this country's domination on us do not stop when you get incarcerated. Actually, it gets worse. It's a nightmare when you go to prison. And, and when you go to prison, you actually get to see the evil that the, the most evilest sides of the empire. This is facts. You see what I'm saying? So when you when these when these when our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters go to prison, the struggle does not stop. And so these eight individuals that Black August is centered around, the martyrs of Black August, um, is centered around are those individuals that they chose to hold in high regards to keep this tradition going to understand that the Black Liberation Movement backbone was inside the prison walls. And, and, and the fact that, you know, these individuals had to be commemorated. So this month was set out to commemorate individuals who are indeed political prisoners and prisoners of war that many of our people in this, uh, uh, this, this empire may not have no, 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 no thoughts about or aware of. So this month is set out for, uh, for us to commemor- commemorate political prisoners. Um, and, you know, we got like the little side things that we throw in there also is that we like to commemorate the resistance Black August is a month to commemorate resistance. Period. Uh, throughout our his, throughout our stay here mm-hmm. in America, uh, you know, from the enslavement periods, uh, uh, epochs all the way up until the Black Liberation epochs, uh, all the way up until now. Because Black August is now. We are Black August. The struggle continues to free the captured nation. So I want you to speak on COINTELPRO. In regard to, we got a history of different organizations. You got the U. Universal Negro Improvement right. Association, the Nation of Islam, Revolution, uh, Action Movement, uh, Organization for Afro-American Unity, Black Panther Party, Black Guerrilla Family, Republican New Africa, Black Liberation Army, Move Organization, even to like the continent with uh, right. Steve Biko, uh, Father Black Consciousness, Patrice Lumumba, uh, and the list goes on from assassination to sabotage, to a wide variety of different uh, uh, rebuttals or re- reactions to uh, what black power and black liberation right. was. So talk about the role of uh, Negro informants causing disunity and disorganization within, organ- within, within organizations centered around black power as well as African right. liberation movements. Because I feel like that's something that uh, the next generation youth don't understand. That a lot of these people uh, keep talking about that the pseudo-conscious uh, thought leaders keep talking about Africa, Africa, right. Africa. Uh, but they never speak about the political assassinations. They never speak about 
uh, the current political prisoners that are, are, are currently uh, right. locked up. And I feel like it's a disregard and disrespect to the work that wow. they put in and that the warrior ancestors put in. Um, so can you right. please yeah. speak on uh, that? Quantel Pro, the counterintelligence program, uh, which is, a, you know, uh, that's one of the most important extensive research and studies that I recommend any of our brothers and sisters, especially our young brothers and sisters that, you know, who may not be aware of this type of thing that took place in our story. Uh, the counterintelligence program was a, a, a program that was formed by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, uh, uh, an organization, a criminal organization, because we got to put the key word on it, a criminal organization, because in fact, these were criminals. These were criminals. Absolutely. Like, they like to label us they like to label us mm -hmm. criminals. Well, no, these are criminals. Everything they did under this program was criminal cr criminality. So let, let's just put that out there. J. Edgar Hoover, the biggest criminal in, in, in the empire's history, um, created this program, this counterintelligence program. And there's something that Dr. Matula Shakur that ostensibly taught me and taught a lot of us about, um, um, you know, why he's been behind the wall is that Low intensity and high intensity warfare was the basis of the counterintelligence program mm -hmm. and all these insurgencies and these, uh, um, you know, uh, strategic um, warfare. Let's go ahead and put it out there. It, it, it was a it was a program mm -hmm. that was set up to 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 initiate warfare on all these black organizations and these uh, black liberation movements, these African liberation movements. Because, like you said, Quantel Pro was not just restricted to the empire of the United States of America, they were working in conjunction with other counterintelligence programs with the CIA, even across Africa in, and even across South America in the Caribbean islands and even in Europe. A lot of people like to leave Europe out, but it was a lot of counterintelligence programs uh, uh, being operated in, in Europe against the black liberation movement and African liberation struggles in Europe. Um, this, this, this program was uh, uh, set out uh, and, you know, bent out to destroy any uh, what they deem a black messiah, a uh, 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 revolutionary leader, uh, uh, freedom fighters, uh, anybody that can, you know, motivate and move the people is what this program was set up to do. And they did, it, it, like I got to tell people, this is the number one lesson you got to learn. They did do their job because they actually destroyed uh, a lot of these organizations uh, like with like what you just said, with these Negro uh, um, informants and these uh agitators and these uh, provocateurs, which still are around today because uh, people don't understand Quartel Pro never died. It's just changed its uh, strategies and its tactics and still using the same strategies and tactics of uh -huh. yesterday. So, um, yeah, their number one tool, their number one tool and st uh, strategy was the Negro. Uh, these, in th these individuals uh -huh. who had like, yeah, and I I'm going to go ahead and put it out here, these individuals that had like criminal records. See, all this ties it, all these things tied uh -huh. into the criminal justice system and also ties into the street uh -huh. street politics because a lot of these individuals a lot of these individuals right, right. that they made informants came from the streets and these were individuals that they that they captured uh, -huh. uh and individuals who had criminal criminal records and you know they promised them these things that you know uh we'll take this off your record uh We'll, we'll return you back to society and to a, a, a citizen of the United States of America if you do this work for us and help us take down these organizations. It's crazy that you're saying that. This reminds me of what the conscious community has become because it's a lot of uh, former street cats that are doing exactly what you right. just broke down. Like, 
the irony yeah. behind that. Uh, they they just using like they hu- the hustle the hustle yeah. mentality from the streets to hustle yeah. people out of money. And then like we used to talk about vetting political education when people like uh, I think Thomas said Carol Carl said right. I'm gonna paraphrase that. Uh, a person without political education is nothing more than a thug, uh, like he a thug. Basically. Oh, he's a potential criminal. Like, cause you, yeah, potential criminal. Yeah, criminal. Yeah, that's what he Potential said, criminal. Right? Like, on that level. So, it's similar to what's going on, on today. Where I call them Quintel yeah, I mean, Negro. That's what they, that's you know? what they are. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what they are. Right, right, right. It, and you spoke on low intensity and high intensity warfare. Uh, can you break that down for people who may not be familiar and aware with what low intensity and high intensity yeah, yeah, warfare definitely, is? Definitely, you know, uh, low intensity and high intensity warfare has been a, a, a strategic um, um, uh, part of the fabric of the United States uh, government and their military. So this is, comes out of uh, a military history because. At the end, uh, uh, this is what the United States of America is. It's a military country. It's a, uh, it, it's a military dictatorship. So it's a, it's a war monging, it's a war mongers uh, uh, country, and, uh, and and like I said, organized criminals, man. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is mm-hmm. something that comes out of their military history. Uh, low intensity, high intensity warfare. It's something that they've been using and they're still using all across this globe uh, to, you know, control resources. Uh, to destroy, liber- you know, to destroy liberation mm-hmm. movements and things of that nature is that, you know, sometimes, uh, and, and I'll just break it down like this, high-intensity high warfare is something that can be seen. Low-intensity war- low intensity warfare is something mm-hmm. that you don't see coming. It's the unseen. So it's, 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 that, it's, that, mm-hmm. it's, that, uh, it's that dual reality. It's that, it's, that, it's, that pol- it's that polarity type of thing yeah. that they got going on. Um, within their, you know, right. their uh, structure of how they, uh, th- of their colonial domination and their imperialist domination is that they use high intensity and low intensity warfare to, to remove and to control. That's what I like to say. They like, to, it, it's, to, it's to neutralize, remove, and control is what I call it. And so, uh, uh, so uh, a lot Absolutely. of that, well, most of that is what took down a lot of our elders that's incarcerated today and, and got a lot of our, uh, uh, you know, great revolutionary freedom fighters murdered, killed, uh, executed, um, you know, in order to remove it. Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton fell victim to, you know, high intensity and low intensity warfare. And, and, and him and Mark Clark's assassination would be a great example of high intensity and low intensity warfare. And that's something strong and big that we uh, stand on in the new African independence movement is teaching our people uh, about low intensity and high intensity warfare, uh, you know, warfare. That's something um, Doc, Doc Matulu instilled in me. Uh, that's one of the things that he really, 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 you know, penetrated into me to pay attention to it, to study and to get an understanding of that and developing ourselves with a military mind to understand that everything is military minded. So we got to come at these things military minded. Indeed, indeed. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, that is, uh, and to I say to counter this, and people, I, I'm always on political education. People say I talk about it too much, which uh, they could believe whatever they want to believe, and I'm not. Uh, I'm strategic, not exactly. emotional, episodic. But I always speak yeah. on guerrilla warfare yeah. and uh, urban guerrilla warfare. Um, France for nine with Wretched of the Earth book changed my life. Uh, 
George Jackson, I gotta keep getting yes. on blood in my eye, uh, changed my life. Cause he have a section in there where he break down guerrilla warfare. Uh, he talks about the importance of infiltration. Um, and, uh, being behind enemy lines and uh, interrupting the rank and file of the op- colonial opposition. So speak on, because a lot of people don't understand that the importance of what guerrilla warfare is. So it's a lot of people like they're revolutionary, but they're posting their right, guns right, on social right. media. Um, and they're posting like their every moves. And I, when I was in my younger days and going through my development, uh, I was... Uh, I, I used to do a lot of this, exactly. but as I grew and learned more and was introduced to different people and different people right. that influenced me to uh, just, well, uh, George Jackson uh, said one of the number, I'm paraphrasing, one of the number one rules in guerrilla warfare right. is to maintain secrecy. So uh, speak on the importance of knowing how to move, but how right. guerrilla warfare can help especially encouraging and teaching it to the, the younger generation of right, Africans right. and New Africans. And, somebody, and one individual I, I will also third, I, I would throw in there as a third party of, of guerrilla warfare that people should uh, study is actually Che Guevara. Che Guevara was what was one, you know, he, Absolutely. he was kind of Absolutely. Like the guy that, you know, this, this guerrilla warfare was, you know, predicated, yeah, predicated on genius, genius you feel me? Genius. And, I, and I would recommend people genius. go get his book, Che Guevara, Revolutionary Life, and you would definitely get a sense of uh, uh, background and history on guerrilla warfare. Man, the thing with guerrilla fa- warfare is this, man, and and, and, I, and, that, and I be teaching this sometimes on a lot of my lives I do you know, on Facebook and Instagram and things of that nature, YouTube, is that, man, guerrilla warfare is embedded in the culture of Africa. That's the number one thing. That's the number one thing you mm-hmm. have to understand as being an African uh, uh, individual, you have to understand guerrilla warfare is embedded in your DNA, is embedded in your bloodline, it's embedded in your 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 tribeness, your you know everything that you are being African, man. This goes back to the continent. We are the originators of guerrilla warfare. Period. You know what I'm saying? Like our our whole existence and basis mm-hmm. on the continent is guerrilla warfare. So for anybody to for anybody you know. Over mm-hmm. here in the Western Hemisphere, in the hells of, of, of the Empire of America, to not, you know, want, you know, or, or want to look down on, you know, or to be afraid of talking about guerrilla warfare is nonsense to me because this is this this is matter of fact. Let's get to the point. Guerrilla warfare is the basis of the new African nation and the new African people in this side of the of the globe. This is how we came. This is how we came into existence mm-hmm. on the slave ship. The first guerrilla warfare, you know, the guerrilla warfare started on the continent, but it continued on the slave ship. And when we got on this land, guerrilla, guerrilla warfare was initiated the time we got off that boat. The new African independence movement, the black liberation movement initiated the African liberation struggle over here, initiated the moment we got off the boats. Our story begins with guerrilla warfare all the way up until the Maroons. The, we are Maroons. These, these are uh, strategies that we use to combat the brutal repression uh, 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 and the low intensity and high intensity warfare of our historical enemies. This is our story. Guerrilla affairs, our story. So we just got to make that. Uh, um, uh, how can I put it? We, we got to popularize that. Is what my 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 OG always tell me. We got to popularize those type of things and that side of our story because our people have only been taught 
one side of our story, and that's the passive history of the civil rights movement and things of that nature. And they tend to try to leave out, you know what I'm saying, the basis of our struggle, which is guerrilla warfare. Because slavery and, 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 and what the Maroons was doing and, and what the Gula Africans was doing and what all these Africans was doing in that time period was guerrilla warfare, man, to destroy the capitalist system of slavery. And we're still, we're still facing that today. Right. So yes, guerrilla warfare, I would say, one combative uh, element and method that we have to initiate and teach our people uh, to, you know, understand that's something we have to use in order to fight against this national oppression. And to actually self, and to actually self-preserve our mm. people you know what I'm saying, from this genocide and these attacks, man, because the number one thing is self-preservation. That's by nature. Mm, indeed. Hey, that's a perfect transition because I was about to bring that up, like some of the points that you made about uh, that, the passive history, um, because there's a lot of uh, the these people online on the internet that have no sense of reality, you know, and Talk about, like, because people think we were just getting slaughtered and there wasn't any of our ancestors fighting back. Uh, you can even talk about the, right. the police lynchings, uh, uh, lynching right. in the Jim Crow South uh, during the Civil Rights Movement. Like, Civil Rights was, like, the most disrespectful thing I've seen is right. we are not our right. grandparents, you know? Um, and the self-preservation component, like, work... I, I'm speaking from a journalist's perspective to right. provide people with an understanding. Were there people? Were so, there some of our people doing the civil rights movement that arm themselves and invoke self-defense? Because it's it's a, a a new generation of Negroes online saying yeah. that we are not our grandparents. Uh, we weren't fighting. Everybody yeah. was just an integrationist. Yeah. That was an elder, and then. Like yeah, like, like uh, that's like one on of the, uh, you know one one reason that the civil rights you know what I'm saying history gets looked at you know what I mean to a certain degree uh, in a bad light and a good light is, is the fact that you know a lot of that uh, passive propaganda that you know our historical enemies has promoted uh, about the civil rights movement has left out that portion of that history of of those individuals inside of the civil rights movements who in fact were advocates and were some of the originators of self-defense in the 50s and the 60s. Yes, a lot of those civil rights activists were about their shit. They were armed. And this is facts. And, and, yes, Robert F. Robert Williams. F. Williams. Uh, uh, the founders of RAM. People don't understand a lot of the RAM uh, Revolutionary Action Movement elders uh, started out in the civil rights movement. You see what I'm saying? Like Max, Max Stanford, you know, Max Stanford and mm, all those great okay. elders and that, that started the Revolutionary Action Movement. Yes, a lot indeed. of those brothers did a lot of work with civil rights activists, and a lot of them come from a civil rights activist background. But they got to understand, some of these individuals were some of mm -hmm. our most radical revolutionary freedom fighters there ever been. And a book that I would recommend for brothers and sisters who want to mm -hmm. get an extensive history of that and want to study that is uh, uh, by my elder Baba uh, Akiyali Emoja's book, We Will Shoot Back. Uh, armed resistance in the Mississippi Freedom Movement. See, a lot of people need to go back and study that Mississippi Freedom mm. Movement. A lot of our history is predicated on that, uh, on the, on that movement uh, of of the Mississippi uh, um, Resistance mm. Movement, because that was an armed struggle within itself. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, the thing mm -hmm. with uh, 
this yeah. past of history that we are just getting beat up and uh, hung and murdered and 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 you know brutalized and you know what I'm saying genocide. Yes, those things did take place. Don't don't get me wrong. And the only reason those type of things really did take place is the fact that you know that we were up against two forces. We were up against white racist civilians, but we also were up against the United States government who were backing these white races and giving these white races giving these white racist weapons. Mm-hmm. So the only reason the only reason that a lot of our, our ancestors were murdered and killed in that nature in that way is because they were outgunned. You see what I'm saying? They were out weaponized because you know it was hard for us to have weapons back then. That's the but don't get it twisted. The ones who did have weapons were fighting back. Like I said, as soon as we got off those boats our black liberation struggle began. Our warfare began. You see what I'm saying? So, go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. And yeah, yeah, indeed, I agree. I think about uh, the example of Rayshard yeah, yeah, Brooks yeah, yeah. in Atlanta. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was a uh, lynch uh, assassinated by the pigs out there. But when they tried to cuff him, he put up a right. fight as best he could, took their taser. And he took off running because he, he feared for his life, but yeah. he put in that work. He did what he was supposed to in a time of need. So uh, speak on like instances such as those because a lot of people don't talk about like right. people that actually right. put up a fight, uh, you know, when when being right. uh, terrorized yeah, by the system. You know the whole the whole brainwashing and mind washing and, and, and the fact that a lot of us are colonial subjects and still operating off a of colonial subject mentality this this system and this power structure has brainwashed mm-hmm. our people that fighting back is wrong resistance is wrong they have criminalized it this is mm-hmm. why they have been able to get away with what they've been getting away with all this time this is why the police and their military and their Gestapo forces and things of that nature, you know what I'm saying, their law enforcement agencies across the country. This is why they get away with what they do with these criminal acts of lynching, these lynchings, these murder and uh, killing of our people is the fact that, you know, it's embedded in our minds, it's embedded in our people's minds that you bet not put hands on them. You bet not fight back. You bet not touch a police officer. You bet not try to defend your black life. These things have been orchestrated and implemented and implemented in our minds that it's wrong. It's criminal to even fight back. Now, this is the job of people mm-hmm. like me and you and us is to get that out of our people's mindset to understand that, no, the basis of self-defense is mm-hmm. a human right. You have a human right to defend yourself. Yeah. What human doesn't have a right to defend itself when somebody is trying to take your life? This, 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 is, this, is, this is common sense. Yeah, now, absolutely. This goes outside of any man-made laws. This goes out of any type of man-made, uh, 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 you know what I'm saying, order. Out of, out of any type of man order. Common sense. Right. The common sense law is that you have the right to defend your life when somebody's trying to take your life. So, you know, that that's why it's for us to have like the absolutely and to have these self-defense training these self-defense training classes, these self-defense educational classes, so we can teach, so we can teach our young brothers and sisters the fact that, yo, look here, no, it's not wrong to defend yourself. No, actually, it's the right thing to do is to defend yourself. Self-defense is a human right. And talk about, because we was talking about 
self-defense, self-preservation. So talk about how the Black Panther Party, uh, Black Liberation Army, MOVE organization, right. the MOVE organization out of Philadelphia, how they were destroyed and they were used and set at the as the example. I remember I had a student when I was right. teaching in an African history class. Uh, he's telling me that he's afraid to fight back because it will result in him right. being politically a political prisoner and also being uh, politically right. or potentially being politically assassinated. Uh, so speak on how... Uh, you know, the empire destroyed, you know, black organizations right. uh, that were fighting back because a lot of people like to shit on, like I said, the, the people yeah. that put in work before us that laid the foundation. Although they made their, they had made mistakes because they didn't understand the right. extent of the technological warfare uh, and how COINTELPRO worked. But speak on, uh, like that gorilla mentality, uh, right? And that uh, philosophy say, and that ideology. You know, uh, um, on the basis of our elders and the freedom fighters that came before us, uh, when it comes to a gorilla mindset and uh, 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 gorilla warfare and self defense and all these things of that nature, the number one thing that you have to combat and you have to eliminate and you have to destroy first stacks with your mind is like what Gil Scott Heron said: the first revolution takes place in your mind. So the most so so if that's the most important element, right? The mm -hmm. number the, the number one enemy of that is what fear. Mm -hmm. So, I my advice to people mm -hmm. on that level who's trying to study that type of history and trying to understand how Cointel Pro and this power structure destroyed those movements is you got to understand that you know the the first thing that the Black Panther Party, the Republic of New Africa, the Black Liberation Army, all these organizations. The, the number one thing that they had to go through in this process of, of becoming guerrilla trained soldiers is they had to eliminate the fear of being politically assassinated, the fear of being politically captured, because you have to understand what you're fighting for is on the right side of history, man. That's what you that's what you got to understand. Like you can you got to mm -hmm. study that aspect of history. It's like what I said, you got to develop a military mind. Mind, you have to be military money, and you have to over, and we got to make mm -hmm. that cool. Like it's something I was telling this, it's something I was telling this young brother that I was dialoguing with mm -hmm. every day, man. I said the key to what we got to do in this decade, we have to take everything that they put in our people's minds to pump fear in our people's minds to not want to mess with or don't want to join the movement or don't want to join the struggle of African liberation. We have to make that shit cool. We have to make that shit popular like it's hip hop. You see what I'm saying, but not, but not, but not taking the, you know, the contradictions mm. of hip hop and things of that nature. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about making this shit so cool that it's that right. it's an everyday culture. You see what I'm saying? Every day we wake up, we practice this, we practice this way of life, right. and we make this a way of life as a culture. Self defense has to become a culture. Guerrilla warfare has to become a culture mentally. It has to become a part of your household, your children's lifestyle, their education. Uh, their, their training. Right. So the whole key to it all Absolutely. is that, you know, uh, this government mm -hmm. had to control that narrative. In order to control the narrative of making it crim and criminalizing it and making it bad and making it seem that it's not good, it's not it's not a good thing to, 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 to defend your life and, and to, to take up arms is the fact that they had to destroy those who were teaching us that. They had to destroy those who were demonstrating that. I call it demonstration. 
The reason these individuals were killed because they were demonstrators. You see what I'm saying? So they had to they had to eliminate all the demonstrators because if you keep the mm -hmm. demonstrators around, now you can see these demonstrators uh uh building and creating uh demonstrators become because we all know this is a protracted struggle. This is not a marathon, you know, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's, it's it's not a it's not a, a quick sprint. You see what I'm saying? So they are they, they already over uh -huh. warfare and being military minded is the fact that no, we gotta eliminate these people. We can never let these demonstrators survive because now they're gonna create demonstrators that come behind them and keep passing this culture down to the point one day we will actually win. We're gonna win. One day we will win. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ferguson is a great example of that, uh, what you were saying. Like, they had to get rid of the people that was really demonstrating and organized. Yes, yes. Long live Darren Seals. Brother was putting in work. Um, and there's, there's multiple people yeah, yeah. that uh, of our generation that are political prisoners and uh, were, were and are currently being politically assassinated because I've had multiple political assassination attempts. Right. There's times where I had to go underground. So uh, uh, speak on that, because a lot of people just think uh, like be me right. being shadow banned, right. like I'm just lying about it. Uh, my page is being shut down. My laptop has been tapped into when right. the camera got tapped into and was black. And people don't understand like the dynamic of I'm not doing this. And it's other right, people like right. me. We're not doing this for cloud chasing. Like I the work that me and you are doing to others, comrades are are doing mm -hmm. to our political prisoners. Well, I've had comrades that uh are our former street cats that are now black gorillas due to me enlightening them and being being my partners, right? Uh have taken bids for me. Um so speak on on that, because a lot of people don't understand the dynamic on how Cointel right. Pole yes, yes. still now, truly exists today. That, that, that's the aspect of low intensity warfare. That, that's the biggest aspect of low intensity warfare is what Cointel Pro does by shadow, you know, shadow banning, monitoring our social media pages, monitoring our telephone calls, monitoring our movements, monitoring our contacts, monitoring our communications. And and trust me, brother, like everything you just said, bro, I can vouch for because those things have happened to me and it might not happen exactly what, ha what has happened to you, but I have experienced some of those things like my phone being, you know, tapped and, uh, you know, um, my, you know, they shadow watching my social media pages. I don't have videos uh, deleted. I don't have my account you know what I'm saying? Try, uh, individuals trying to hack. Yeah, I don't have uh, people like you know thought I that I purposely unfollowed them or blocked them. Yeah, you know, yes, and people yes. like, yep, you I'm just lying. Yep. That that can't happen. And I'm like, dude, you have no, no, no clue. Oh, no. Like, it'd be people that no, be posting happens. all this intellectual, uh, you know, the uh, pseudo intellectual shit on a on a page, and then when you try to reach out to them, I just be trying to build with people just to test them and vet them to see if they're right. really going to have a conversation. Right. And then once I have conversation with those people, they don't want to fuck with me. Like, they distance themselves from me. Like, they're afraid. So right. for me, right. if you're going to talk right. all this macho shit and this warrior shit online, then then you faking the front. You are a false flag. And that's just like my guys that 
run the streets that's involved with street organizations. Right. If yep. you fall flagging, flagging, you get violated. So it's like, and Damn. people saying they got all these credentials and all this and what's your resume and what you read, but if you're not applying the information, using practical application of the theory that you're that you read up on, you just, you're no different than the yeah. pastors in a church. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like your lecture is just a sermon. So, and then you charging fees yep. to take yep. advantage from the community, but you're not putting nothing back. You're not organizing. You're not talking to the youth. Nope. Like, and you're not building nope. nothing. Like, you got a cult following, but you won't have a building. Uh, <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, it's like, how you talking this? Why, why this and why, why that? And you not even really organize it. Like, in fact, you don't even have your passport. And that's something that I'm working on getting right. myself. But a lot of people understand. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I literally, based off my political history, even if I wanted to find a job or work for somebody, I will not get hired because I have an FBI file. Right. I've been blacklisted and right. railroaded out of academia. Can't exactly. get a master's exactly. degree. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen... Uh, inform. I can smell an informant and an agent, and somebody. I can smell it and sense it based off the energy right. that somebody's giving me. Because if you asking certain questions, or like just your body language speaks on like that energy. So a lot of times I don't even yeah. organize and meet with people if I don't know them like that, or I I have somebody I know do some homework on them, like. When people show yeah, up, like, exactly. three weeks at a time when I was in grad school, people try to connect with me. They be there three weeks at a time, disappear, and then start showing up at when I was lecturing. They show up at my lectures. Uh, hadn't yeah. spoken to them. They show up at community events that I was at, like, suddenly. And then be offering me rides home. No, nah, I'm good, bro. I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to take right. the train. All I'm right. good. But... Man. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up about academia, man. People got to understand when it comes to academia, that shit has been the, the the largest infiltration of our historical enemies, man, is academia. So, uh, uh, man, it's been a, it's so many of our, our, our brothers and sisters and elders who have been railroaded in academia and have been, you know what I'm saying, infiltrated and it's being shadow banned and uh, being sabotaged. People got to understand that part of the revolutionary work is the most important part of revolutionary work is an academic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold control. on. We're trying to control. Yeah, let me, let me, what? uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Speak on, because people are saying, like, scholars can't be revolutionary. So, like, they said Dr. John Henry Clark wasn't a revolutionary because he was an academic. Who else? Amos Wilson. I've heard right. this before. Amos Wilson isn't a revolutionary. Wow. Uh, Steve Coakley. Um and a lot of other of uh, our people, even uh one of the greatest examples of my right. biggest influences is Dale Jones. Um Dale, the yes, war correspondent, yes, but yes. a lot of people saying yes, pe people right. that are uh weren't that were scholars and academics, either traditional orthodox or unorthodox, weren't revolutionaries, but the, the same people talking this talking this mumbo-jumbo with this pseudo-conscious, intellectual, woke, weirdo shit, uh, lecturing, but right. don't have the right. credentials. Yeah. Right. And then people, it's funny because yeah. a lot of people don't, I got a bachelor's in African-American studies and a master's in inner-city studies from the Jacob H. Carruthers Center for Inner-City Studies. 
in Chicago. Right, right. Well, all right. uh, Kwame Ture would come through there. Uh, Chancellor Williams, all the greats, and who yeah. are now ancestors would come through there. But they think I'm just faking the funk, like uh, I'm I'm just lying through my teeth and all this stuff. And I really know how to do research, but I'm not just doing research right. and talking from being inside on on from a computer or from my tablet or different things like that. I'm really in the community right, trying to right. build and organize and uh, provide. And I really want to get back into doing political education with uh, African youth and new African youth. So I know I'm working yeah, on yeah, uh, starting to do that going back into 2021 because I want to do a campaign bringing awareness to uh, new African and African political prisoners of war but also the importance of political education and like maybe like a book club type of thing as well. So uh, yeah, talk yeah. talk about the importance of understanding and how literature plays a factor, but also right. pra use a practical application to apply to different things or theories or ideologies and philosophies right. that you are learning. Talk about like, right, if you right. speak on that. Yeah, oh man, like, you know, like you just said earlier, like you said a few minutes ago, is uh, you know, um, it goes back to what I, I said a little bit earlier about, um, um, shit, most of my, you know, my most of my elders are acad academics acad in, in academia and, and things that are, uh, you know, nature, man, like, that's some of the most, like I said, that's some of the most revolutionary work, period, because it goes back to what I just said earlier about Gil Scott Hearn, is the fact that the first revolution takes place in your mm -hmm. mind. So if these individuals so if these individuals, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, like John Henry Clark and all them, you know, they, they chose to take up that fight because that was some of the most racist, uh, 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 you know, some of the most racist enemies and, and racist uh, uh, forces that we had to combat was in the academia. Mm -hmm. So how are these brothers, how are these elders and ancestors not revolutionaries when they when they took uh, up that choice to, to sacrifice themselves to fight and to combat against the racist institutions of education of America, they chose to take up that and take back our mind. Taking back your minds is revolutionary. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I think about Kwame Ture, because a lot of people yeah, him too. Him look too. at him as just an intellectual, but he was there in, in Mississippi. Uh, right, exactly. Uh, John right. Henry Clark was there with him, and John Henry Clark talked about how they had to get guns. So, to, just because somebody put putting guns on social media uh, does not make them a revolutionary. That's actually, uh, you should question individuals that yes. are doing that. Yes. And, yes. and a lot of people get especially upset. Individuals, yeah, a lot of people. Especially the, especially the individuals who, who post and show, you know, weapons and guns and things of that nature all day long, but they don't never show no aspects of political education or no literature or no studying mm -hmm. and, you know, studying study habits and things like that. If they're not showing that side too, because like I said, if you're going to do that, if you're going to post weapons and show guerrilla training and uh, weapons training, things of that nature, but you don't show the other side of you actually building up your biggest we weapon, which is your mind, mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? Then I, I have a total issue with that, mm -hmm. you feel me? And, and, and you got to question that and you have you not to hold those type of individuals accountable because it's you know that shit 
you know, people are watching that. Kids are watching that. People are watching that. So you got a lot of people who are trying to follow that. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I've been on uh, this NFAT thing for a while. I observed NFAT tried to recruit me. A lot of people got upset uh, with me because I was like, why are they going live with their guns? Why are they laughing with the pigs? Uh, right. You know, I got into it with a brother, uh, but I was like, he disregarded what I was saying about the Grandmaster J, uh, who's the leader of NFAT, uh, who's a former DJ, a music DJ that came from out of nowhere. Hadn't heard, I hadn't heard of them until like July 3rd. Yep. And then, yep, then, that's right. then not only that, it's a video of him like sitting behind Trump. And when he stands up, you can see the, the earpiece speak on uh, the political history of how we are currently repeating ourselves in regard to like black militia groups and speak on like the history of like the Black Liberation Army, uh, Black Guerrilla Family Republic of New Africa, like the, the groups that we have been speaking on and speak about what the August 3rd collective is. Because a lot of people aren't familiar with several of these organizations or they might not be familiar with any organizations that were involved as far right. as like Cointel Pro goes. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of these organizations, you have to understand that a lot of these organizations that uh, like August 3rd Collective, um, Black Liberation Army, um, all these type of groups and, you know, is what we call, you know, different uh, quadres and organizations that are a part of the new African independence movement. And the new African, the new African independence movement is a movement of several organizations across the board and quadres that are working in conjunction and together to liberate what we call the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa. Many people don't understand that the Black Liberation Army was uh, uh, you know, they they come out of the Black Panther Party, but uh, the Black Liberation Army was the military uh, arm of, of uh, you know trying to liberate also the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa because many of these individuals in the Black Liberation Army were New African citizens. So uh, August Third Collective, uh, New African People's Liberation Army was formed by uh, Sanyika Shakur and a lot of the elder comrades uh, in the prisons of California. Uh, it started off as a prison organization to continue on the legacy of the Black Liberation Army, um, uh, organizations like the New African Prison Movement, um, mm. uh, the movements of, of, of George Jackson, uh, you know, the African, uh, um, New African Liberation Movements, basically the prison, uh, uh, Black Liberation Prison Movement is where the August 3rd mm. Collective uh, organization comes from but you know we decided to sp spread its wings outside of the prison because we didn't want it just to be uh, a, a prison organization so Sayika Shakur uh, uh, behind the wall started organizing this group where it was already organized because they already had members in it which are uh, mm -hmm. you know elders of mine who are you know most of, the, most of them are still captured so uh, mm -hmm. uh, we, start, we decided to create an outside entity and political apparatus outside of the walls, which uh, he brought me under his wing uh, and he made me the national spokesperson of August 3rd Collective and we do a lot of work in, you know, prison work, uh, you know, political education, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, so people can right. understand that August 3rd Collective is, 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 a, is a movement 
predicated and based on political studies, study groups, political education, and things of that nature. It's just not an organization that's hell-bent on picking up the gun. You see what I'm saying? Right, right, Because a lot, right. of, a lot of people would take the name because they 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 hear the name August Third Collective, uh, New African People's Liberation Army. They would think we're just an organization that's trying to pick up a gun and go shoot down white folks and all these type of things. No, right, our, right, right. No, our organization is based on the like I said, the most important weapon of them all is the mind. So we we're trying to right. we, we're trying to you know uh, revolutionize the mind. That is uh, the main work of an organization like August. Right, Collective. right. And what is you said you're a national spokesperson. So yes. if somebody wanted to start a chapter, for example, if I wanted to start a chapter in the Chicago land area, right, what would I need to do to get the process started? Not just in Chicago, anywhere. Yeah, like, but like anywhere. Yeah, uh, I would say you know I'll go through protocol. I would have to talk to the elders, uh, you know, talk to the elders behind the wall um, and do that. Do do what, you know, what organizers are supposed to do, man. Like what our elders were predicated and based on is doing the vetting, doing the background checks. And then I, I run the whole thing down to them on how they can establish this chapter of this organization in their city and give them a, a, a blueprint, a basis to go off of. You know what I'm saying? But the most important part of it all is, like I said, is, you know, you, that background check, that vetting, and making sure these yeah. make sure these individuals are good because that's one thing that we are are, are predicated on is you know mm -hmm. we don't want no informants, you know what I'm saying, joining our organizations. We don't want no agitators. Absolutely. We don't want no agitators yeah. to try to take on our name, take on our organization, and, and and run rampant out here in these streets. You feel me? Uh, uh, in in the basis of our name and our struggle. We're not having that. We're not having that in 2020. So that's why, to be honest with you, the August 3rd Collective is pretty much a small unit. You know what I'm saying? This is a, a small quadri of individuals because we do not let that right. many, we don't let that many people inside of the August, uh, you know, August 3rd Collective or the New African Independence Movement. Period. Absolutely, I I, I wholeheartedly support that because I know me. You spoke previously. You was like, man, check this out. Couple of uh, uh, of your elders. Uh, can't remember the name, brother, but I think his name might start with a J. Okay, I think I know who you're talking about. But he reached out to me. It was like trying to get me down with the program, if I'm not mistaken. So oh, okay, yeah. I'm most definitely open because it's been a couple of people from the New African uh, Independence Movement that have reached out to me. Right, and people always ask me why I'm not involved with organization. I was like. If it's now on level of the New African Independence Movement or, you know, what you're doing with the August 3rd Collective, I don't want no parts of it. If it's not doing what George Jackson University is doing, right. I don't want any parts of it. Um, so I appreciate you uh, providing that insight. And speak on, like, uh, people that's posting all these guns on uh, across social media. What's your thoughts on that? Is that a revolutionary act? Is it reactionary? Uh, is it uh, a pseudo uh, move? Speak on that. Yeah, um, my opinion on that is that you know I, I you know many individuals that's inside those type of organizations. I have dialogue with many individuals that's a part of these organizations, like the Huey uh, P. Newton Gun Clubs and things of that nature. Now, you know, don't get me twisted now, because you know, like I said, uh, Max Elf Williams, these are ideological fathers of the New African Independence Movement and the Republic of New Africa. So we hold self-defense in high sacred regard. That That's something that's a basis of 
Right. Our movement, you know what I'm saying, is to build self-defense and what we call in the New African independence movement, we call it New African Security Force. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Things, that, things of that nature. Now, my thing is this, is that, like you said, of it, a lot of it is re reactionary. And that's just fact. A lot of it is reactionary because a lot of these cats, like I said, if your, your training does not come along with a political education training, then I got to hold you accountable from the jump. You see what I'm saying? Right. Because you're pretty good. Because I, I'm big. I'm one of them people. I'm big on what you're trying to portray to people who don't know no better. You feel right. me? Absolutely. So, so, it's like, yes. so it's like, do that. Please do that with a, 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 dual, a dual method. A dual methodology. You know what I'm saying? Is that incorporate both. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, mm -hmm. if you want people to really see you shooting your guns and all these things in that nature and you doing your little, you know, uh, gun training, uh, go as hard trying to show them the political training. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like that, that, mm -hmm. and, and like I keep trying to tell brothers out here, bro, that's where y'all lacking at. This is why y'all organizations don't last long, bro. It's because y'all don't show no aspects of no type of political training. And this is one of the things we're doing inside the rebuilding because we are in a rebuilding mode when it comes to the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa and the New African Independence Movement. The one key thing we are trying to get back to is getting back to what we are, our, our forefathers and our foremothers of the Republic of New Africa and this system that they had implemented before was the study unit. Trying to get back mm -hmm. to study units, bro. Because too, mm -hmm. many, too many of these organizations, they don't even know how to study, bro. Like, how are you going to have any effect eating changing your people's material conditions, uh, combating their national oppression when you don't know how to study. <laughs> you don't even right. know how to study, bro. Like, and, I, I, right. and, and I'm just like you, bro. Like, over the last couple of years, I've been checking certain individuals on that that want to try to get with me and cats that want to build with me and things of that nature, bro. And, and, and the one thing I've learned in the last five or six years, in the last 10 years, doing this is that a lot of these brothers don't and sisters don't read bro like they be, uh, they be all in my inbox uh what's the, can, uh give me some give me some book titles bro give me give me give yeah. me a study list <laughs> give me a study list bro you see what i'm saying i'm like and, 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 and i don't be wanting to really do it and i don't like to yeah. turn, I, I don't like to turn my back on my brothers and sisters that's trying to liberate their yeah. mentally yeah, but, yeah, but, I yeah. know, but i know a lot of them are, are, are just playing you're playing yeah bro. absolutely you play well, I, uh i self-published my master thesis as a book uh it's a case study of the school to prison pipeline and brown versus the board of education yeah i just updated to the second edition so the title of my book is called blood on the academic auction block so the academic auction block i break it down as the principal is the warden teachers are the corrections officers uh, classroom is a cell block. Right. Cafeteria is the mess hall. In school suspension, and special education, and solitary confinement. Yeah. Um. Uh, the playground is the yard. SWAT is uh off duty peers and security forces. Right. And I'm speaking from firsthand experience of being uh, a new African and African political prisoner of war and special ed. Right. Uh, because I'm a part of the special education. Okay. And the school system is structured the same way the prisons exactly. are structured. Exactly. With the school to prison pipeline. And the book title was inspired by George Jackson Blood and Mine. So I called the title of our book is called Blood on the Academic Auction Block. Right. I cannot count how many people just because I don't agree with their favorite uh pseudo conscious intellectual that's lecturing or calling themselves giving a so-called lecture on YouTube sitting in their house, which is right. not a lecture. 
Right. Uh, they call themselves warrior scholars, but they haven't put out any written works. Um, and my book is has reached Africa. It's in the UK. Right. It's in cities around the nation. Not only that, it's a brother that's a political prisoner called named Daryl Craig. Okay. Who's down there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure where he is. He just got moved. Okay. But he's a political prisoner. But he bought my book and has handed it around the prison. Right. That right. he's in. Excellent. Excellent. And he and uh the book has even reached uh Canada. So don't uh, talk about the importance of creating our own literature. Uh like oh. we talked about propaganda, but yes, yes. Uh create modern books. Like my book is a modern book that will uh continue legacy and then I'm working on my next book. Right. Uh which is titled On Code okay. and creating okay. a protocol and I call my Blood on the Academic Auction Block a guerrilla warfare handbook. Oh, um, yes. okay, okay. So talk about the importance of creating modern and contemporary uh, guerrilla warfare uh, handbooks and literature, political education books and pamphlets to combat low-intensity and high-intensity warfare, right. uh, bring awareness to guerrilla warfare, urban guerrilla warfare, talk about the important I want to get back to the point of the importance of political education right. but also how pan-Africanism plays a very important factor because a lot of people talk about their pan-Africanists uh, and I call them pan-activists yeah, because yeah. a lot of them are faking the front and false flagging under the flag that uh, the honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey created yes they are yes it's a lot of them yes it's a so lot of them. can you can you speak on that? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I definitely can speak on that because, uh, it, again, it goes back to controlling the narrative of, of our propaganda, and that's something that plays a very important role in the New African Independence Movement. Is creating our own literature, man. Creating our own pamphlets, manuals, our guide, our guides, our political education. Um, uh, you know what I'm saying? Libraries, personal libraries, and things of that nature. Because we already know that we. We have to control that narrative. That's where the war, that, that is the forefront of the war is in the in the literature, man. You know what I'm saying? At the mm -hmm. end of the day, because we want to teach our people to the correct, the, the correct history, the correct political education, and the the correct sciences and, and you know and the you know, you know, theological things that we need to get across to our people. Now, that's something that I'm working towards myself because so many people over the years. You know, been you know, even my elders been hammering on me like, when the hockey, when you gonna write a book, when you gonna make a, you gotta take some of this stuff, you gotta, you gotta do something with it. And, you know, I've been patient with it so far. I'm, 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 I'm hopefully I'm gonna start to work towards that very soon to put out something on my own. You feel me? Uh, with all this stuff that I've been researching over the last couple of years. Yeah, could you, uh, you one of the most thorough in the game. Yeah, uh, as far as like organizing and advocating for political prisoners. Right. Cause I, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I was going to ask you, like, man, we went, like you said, like the elders putting pressure on you. I'm gonna reiterate <laughs> what what our elders. Yes. Man, when this book coming? Uh, you know, you 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 can. I, I, I'm a resource for introduction. Yeah. Uh, giving you feedback. Uh, even a forward or afterward, man. Yeah. Anything you need as far as like literature and political education, yeah. and then we most definitely have to collaborate because it's been uh, much needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? For I'm... us to connect in the flesh. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. But but speak on like the idea that you have put out into the 
to the universe will speak on the potential of what what kind of what kind of book would you write? What kind of information would you put in it? Right. Because I know you're well versed in different areas. So what would be like your ideal uh, model for implementing and writing a book? Since yeah. you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that I'm really trying to work towards is uh, continuing on like that oh, that legacy and that literature of my you know my elders uh, uh, of the New African Independence Movement is basically just you know uh, political education off top, of course. But I want to, mm-hmm. one of my projects that I really want to focus on getting out here is, is you know, I'm me personally, I, one of my areas that I really want to touch on and, and bounce between is that, uh, I, you know, our I, I, I struggle for land, man. You feel me? Like, uh, mm. like that, to me, that is just like something that's not really being, you know, spotlighted, you know what I'm saying? Because I know it's, it's not really a popular topic. But we gotta understand. Yeah. We gotta understand that uh, a lot of our struggle is predicated on that. You feel me? Like I like mm-hmm. like myself. I consider myself a land liberationist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, hey, man. You feel me? So I want to try to carry on that legacy of uh, of Doctor Amari Obadeli and all those type of people who made that emphasis that we have to struggle for land. Baba uh, El Hajj Malik Shabazz, you know. Uh, we, you know, the basis of our struggle is for land. So one of those projects is definitely I want to, I want to try to put all this history. I want to compile all this history to de- together and try to run down a chronology of resistance and, and and struggle over land here in North America. You feel me? Like mm, man, man, it's dope. Man, I, it's dope. Talk about uh, talk about the uh, the term. Uh, or the phrase free to land what does that term mean because uh i see several people using it uh that's not yeah, qualified yeah, to you're use right. it you're, you're about that. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh speak on that so people can have a a, a cultural political uh economic right. social understanding of uh, what free to land yeah. actually means and what how it well really yeah defined. like you said there's a lot of people out here trying to run trying to run with the uh, run with the uh, the phrase free to land and they don't really even understand what free to land is but free to land was something that was established as as our war it's like a war call of the new African independence movement and it, and it's a motivational inspirational uh, uh, war call because we know. Like I said, being that you know that you know Malcolm X, uh, and it goes back to even individuals way back in time, like Tony Z. Campbell, uh, Martin Delaney, uh, uh, Pap Singleton, uh, uh, even the Maroons and people of this nature. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what were they truly struggling for? What, what was their fight over? You see what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, it was to obtain some mm-hmm. land. You see what I'm saying? Because because you, we all right, know absolutely man, you can never have total power over your destiny as a people and total control and liberation and freedom of your people mm-hmm. if you don't have no land so the free to land phrase is is right. basically that is what it stated you see what i'm saying we must free some land we have to liberate some land because we know we come from a mm-hmm. land background a land history agriculture cultivating land this cut this country indeed was mm-hmm. built by land liberationists and land agriculturalists. Our, 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 our damn ancestors were, you know, uh, agri, you know, agriculturalists. You see what I'm saying? So, 
so you know they 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 right, agriculture right. scientists. So our whole history and our culture and our traditions is based on land, man. We are, it, it's a saying that even in the indigenous traditions uh, of the indigenous nations, they got a saying where you, where they say that you know we are the land. You see what I'm saying? So you know, right? So absolutely. That's what, so that's yeah. what that phrase is For based sure. on. That phrase is based on political identity, political nationality, political, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, political economics, political agriculture, everything that makes a people a people, a global community, a global nation, uh, 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 you know, uh, 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 African, basically, a new African. That's what Freedom Land is. It's a new African. It's an African that's struggling to try to liberate some land out here, man. Absolutely. And speaking on that, uh, it's a lot of uh, confusion, uh, mass cultural confusion online. People talk about we need to create our build our own schools and all that. But they aren't talking about a political structure, uh, Mm -hmm. a military structure and uh, like a scientific structure. So speak on the importance of if you have an education system, because every majority of guerrilla movements have always had education right. systems and structures to educate and empower the next generation, but speak on the uh, the political illiteracy of those who are lecturing, those who are uh, preaching online, mm. who are doing videos and panels on YouTube and different uh, platforms. Speak on uh, the importance of having a political and military structure to go right, along with right, an educational right, structure. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I and I totally understand what you mean, because I be seeing a lot of these uh individuals online myself. I've seen them with their little YouTube channel. See, a lot of that stuff, a lot of those individuals doing online is counter-revolutionary. It's 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 counterproductive and it, and it's actually very reactionary because a lot of these individuals are taking these platforms mm. just to uh try to try to deconstruct something that was already established to benefit them financially. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of information these cats are putting mm. out here, man, they're not even trying to build no type of political infrastructure that's that's uh, or, or educational system, you know what I'm saying, a political education system that's predicated on adding military aspect to it or political aspect to it because their only sole goal is to get online to try to deconstruct that aspect of our struggle. This is why you see a lot of these individuals who are not even in communication with nobody from the Black Liberation Movement. They just out here on their own trying to create something, you know what I'm saying, that would benefit them individually. So, you know, I don't even deal with those type of cats. I don't even watch their videos. I don't even entertain them. I don't entertain their followers. Because like I told you, like like you said earlier, like, like I told you a few minutes ago, like, we're gonna hold you cats accountable. Now, if you're not even if you're not even trying to work towards that, or you're not trying to incorporate that, and not see that out the gate, yes, I'm gonna hold you accountable for that, and I'm gonna hold your followers accountable for that because none of that's none of that what you're doing is mm. productive. It's not revolutionary. It's counter-revolutionary. It's counterproductive of of mm-hmm. the science, like you just said, scientific. It's about being scientific. You know what I'm saying? If you're not scientific with it. You know what I'm saying? And it goes back to what you said earlier also. You can you can create all these theories and things all day long. 
You can create all these theories all day long, but a theory is nothing without practice. This is something that we are very strong and heavy on in the new African independence movement, which is theory and practice. You can't get one without without the other. If you're just if you're just doing one, then you're you're handicapping you're handicapping yourself because you're not getting nowhere on just doing one out of the other. No, it's a dual round. Everything is double theory and practice. You have to take that theory and practice it. That's a heavy part of education, political education. Period. You have to practice what you preach, or or like what you just said. These educational systems will become religious systems, period. It, it, it will become a modern day church. And that's what a lot of these uh, YouTubers are doing. They are nothing but a modern day church. They are doing nothing but recolonizing our people and exploiting our people with pseudo information, pseudo education. And like you just said, those are, aren't real lectures. You need to start doing some real work, like doing lectures, actual lectures. And, and, and like you said, writing up some literature. You see what I'm saying? Writing up some literature. Ain't not ain't none of those mm -hmm. cats you see on there doing none of that. And 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 some of the and some of the cats who are doing that, nope. they're still writing literature that's not productive to the struggle of the overall struggle of New Africans. They're writing literature that benefits them yeah. and their belief system. You see what I'm saying? So when I see cats out, so when I see cats yeah. online talking about we need to build yeah. our own educational institution and things of that nature, yeah, I agree with that, but a lot of that stuff has to be straight check from the gate. It has to be uh, 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 accountability there from the gate before that infrastructure even be built because we don't want you to build another reactionary Negro institution, man. Yeah, and I agree. I could name some uh, African-centered independent homeschooling uh, programs. Uh, Marcus Klein, right. my brother, that uh, yeah. put me in the game in Chicago, uh, had four schools here. Has a school in Detroit, a uh, school in Atlanta, right. uh, land of Africa, uh, for yep, school, Cuba, uh, New Cuba York, yeah. in New York, yeah. uh, with the Zayas Institute, uh, Baba N. Walimu Baruti in Atlanta with the Aquaban Institute. And then he has his own set right. of books yep. that he publishes, yep. that he self publishes. So it's people that are doing work, but they right. have put their foot in the game, they, they done been in the mud. Like different instances such as yeah, that, yeah. those are the people that I respect with uh, what high regard. Uh, the work that you're I doing is amazing. Appreciate it. And man, the ancestors work in mysterious ways because yeah. we're supposed to be a connect, but maybe at that time right. it wasn't meant to be. So I most definitely appreciate Before we get out of here, I got two more okay. things I want to touch on reparations. Um, my idea is different than others. Uh, I believe we should have reparations, but we need mental reparations before we can get, you know, financial reparations. Because if you do have financial reparations, if you are mentally clear on the vision right. of what it is, or have clarity or what the vision, the goal is, you're, uh, I feel like land mm -hmm. should be a part of reparations. And I, uh, I believe that the only way we can truly get reparations is uh, mm -hmm. in land and blood. Uh, right. Money will come, but I feel like the free to land acronym uh, resembles, hey, we're going to get down yeah, to yeah. nitty gritty. We're going to get in the Indeed. mud. Uh, we, might we might lose some soldiers through the casualties, but we, Dr. Bobby Wright said, 
this yeah. in his Black Mental Side lecture. Black people are uh, at war, and they right. are the only ones that don't even know it. So we have always been casualties of war. So are you just going to sit back right. and let somebody keep busting your head? Or you going to uh, try right. to take that gun from them? Or get yep. you a machete? Or get you a rock? Or right. your body should be a weapon. But at least put up some kind of fight. And there have been unarmed Africans that have revolted and yep. have had successful rebellion. But something that people don't understand, uh, reparations, we have to start speaking the language of the colonial opposition. And the only language that they know is uh, yeah. Yeah. an eye for an eye. Uh, you take some of my eyes, we're going to take... Uh, uh, Khaled right. said it right. best, Dr. Khaled Muhammad said it. If uh, you shoot somebody and kill them uh, with right. 10 bullets, we're going to take right. 10 of yours. So speak on the importance yeah, of uh, reparations. reparations uh, that that that's a struggle that's been around even you know even in the you know reconstruction period of times with a uh, a lot of our great ancestors back then uh, uh, you know forging the reparations movement and and it goes back to what you just said man uh, people don't understand that the key component of reparations is mental repair uh, uh, one of the key uh, uh, attributes of reparations and, and, and what reparations is truly about is repair. It's about repairing a damaged people. People don't understand that reparations is predicated on repairing something that has been damaged. Uh, and uh, we as a people have been damaged because we have been under warfare, like you just said, for over 401 years to this date. So uh, I, when I'm teaching about reparations and things of that nature, I try to take after my, my, my forefathers and foremothers, uh, Queen Mother Moore, um, and Amari Obadeli, uh, who are the you know mother and father of the reparations modern day movement, is the fact that you got to understand that reparations are predicated on uh, repair, mental health, trauma, uh, uh, all the things that affect us psychologically. Psychotherapy is based on therapy. Now, like you mm -hmm. just said, I feel mm -hmm. like that's the most important of it all. I think we have to go through that process. That has to be the main process first. Because like you just said, we, we cannot just be handed currency. We cannot just be handed cash. Because we are a person that's not in his right state, that's not in his right mind, who's still suffering from, who's not political. Exactly. That's a political. They're going to take that money and they're going to continue to fund our oppression. This is something that I came up with is that uh, uh, most of the time under this capitalist system and this, you know, this empire of America, most of the time, we don't even we so we are so colonialized in, in, in colonial subjects. We don't even realize that most of the time we're funding our own oppression. Every time we are spending money, every time we're being mm -hmm. consumers of this empire, we're funding our own oppression. So, in order for us to really truly be paid reparations, you know what I'm saying? In that way, no, we're gonna have to. Uh, start the process of repairing our mental health first because otherwise getting reparations get go ahead. Yeah. And I think and I think a rebuilding process like you said, what y'all doing with the uh, new African independence movement and August Third Collective, we need to start and how we yeah. talked about the importance of political education, but also vetting within right. our organizational structures is gonna have to be first and foremost before we can decide and exactly. not everybody exactly. can be a spokesperson as well. 
on this topic because I see a lot of uh, political ignorance and illiteracy on people that speaking on certain topics, even when it comes to, like I was saying, right. the lynching, us being lynched, and uh, extrajudicial right. killings and murder and capture of our people. So I feel like it's important that we yeah. teach this to the next generation. And uh, what can you give some revolutionary advice to new African and uh, African youth that are coming uh, in the future that will hit us right. maybe 10, 20 years down the line? What's some advice that you can give the next generation um, in regard to uh, African uh, liberation? As a matter of fact, I, I had answered this question not too long ago to, uh, on another interview. Uh, like, and like I said on that interview, I would say my best advice uh, to the youth that's coming behind us is uh, saying, please study the history of resistance. You, you know, like, don't just be a, a, a one-track-minded uh, individual is what I want to call it. Just don't, 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 don't look at our struggle in a one-sided way or a, a one-dimensional way because there's multi-facet and multi-layers when it comes to our struggle and our history being here in North America and even on the continent, man. You know what I'm saying? So uh, my, my biggest advice, I always mm -hmm. tell you that's coming up who are trying to seek uh, their consciousness, who are trying to develop their consciousness, who are trying to uh, get into this uh, organizing, uh, trying to become activists or trying to become part of some type of uh, movement, is I always try to tell them, man, please, please do yourself the justice and duty of studying our history of resistance. Because I, I, when, when I want you to develop yourself, I want you to get the complete picture. I don't want you to get the half passive history of our historical enemies. So my biggest advice to them is to please study, 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 study resistance, study our history of rebellion, study our history of black liberation, African liberation, that often, and, and uh, you know, that's being repressed and suppressed, that's all, you know, often get left out of any type of academia or, or any type of mainstream educational system is that please study this history of resistance. That would be my biggest advice for them, man. And, and, and to study, you know, uh, learn political education and learn about organizing because that's something that really gets left out is organizing is that 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 aspect of of being an organizer Absolutely. Man, because everybody every you know I, I'm real funny about that word activist you feel me because I feel like I feel like anybody can hop up and call themselves right. an activist and don't be doing no work now I, I feel like if you call yourself an organizer right Right. I, I think that's where the accountability comes in at. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So, uh, uh, if uh, you know, if, mm -hmm. you know, my advice to any young, um, young people that's coming behind us that's trying to get into the organizing, please find yourself some elders who have done it, lived it, you see what I'm saying, and learn from them, and, and, and please take the proper steps to being mm -hmm. a proper organizer, man. Don't follow these 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 these, these um, community pimps. Absolutely. And, uh, in closing, what uh, what's some current and future projects you're working on for 2021? For uh, 2021, I know uh, I'm gonna I'm reiterate this before you uh, speak. Yes. Uh, we got to yes. get this book uh, underway, so that that's one thing. And uh, speak on uh, the other right projects now, that you'll uh, be working uh, on. An uh, uh, important project that I just did that I want people really to tap in with is the uh. 
uh, the dopest death film is about to come out about uh, Dr. Matulu Shakur and the Black Panther Party and the Young Lords. And um, uh, this documentary is centered on the revolutionary medical work of those organizations and the revolutionary history and work of Dr. Matulu Shakur. Uh, we just released a podcast uh, called Dopest Death. Um, I'm on two episodes of that. It's four uh, episodes and it's on Apple uh, uh, Podcast. I really want people to. Are you no, uh, are you in, I'm a not documentary? in the documentary? I'm just uh, on the podcast uh, because because they had shot the uh, they had already did okay. the film, so I wasn't able to make I wasn't able to really get into the uh, documentary mm. film. But uh, they came back around and scooped me up for the uh, the podcast. So uh, yeah, so I, I really want people to check that oh, out. That's you can uh, check out Dope Is Death on any uh, podcast uh, uh, um. Um, outlet, you feel me? Go check that out. Period. And um, yeah, man, this uh, our story, man, on on Bad Two FM is something that uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be continue doing a lot of work with it to try to uh, evolve it and to push it more out there in the mainstream. So, the, you know, that's the main project that I'm gonna continue to work on into 2021 with the sister. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna get back to what I'm doing, man. What I always do, man, is getting out here in these streets. Uh, you know, hitting up these historic sites. Uh, uh you know, expounding on my um. Uh, New African History Channel and New African uh, Research and getting out here to these historic sites that tell our story that's not really being told properly uh, to our people and, and putting this history out there. So I'm going to get back out there doing more videos out here, you know, going to these historic sites and things of that nature. And pretty much what you just said, man, um, uh, the book, you know, try to get that project, you know, I got to get that started 2020, mm -hmm. man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, brother, uh, gratitude and Asante Sana for uh, coming on the War Report News podcast. Thank you. I enjoyed the dialogue, man. Powerful build. Uh, it, it feels good to have another voice to reiterate what I've yes. been saying yes. since I'm always getting shadow banned and people think I'm just a nah, divisive, nah, I'm being a divisive hater. That, because, so thank you, brother. Because I, I, you know, I, sometimes I have to bring, back, <laughs> but, you know, bring people back to reality itself and let them know that, no, bro, I be experiencing all types of goddamn low-intensity warfare my damn self. And that's facts. I might not speak on it, like, you know, like individuals like you that's outspoken about it, but that shit is going on. Nothing you talking about is a lie because I experienced that stuff myself. So, you know, and, and, and I, I appreciate you bringing me on this platform. Right. I love it. You know, I love the idea of this platform because uh, it does give individuals like myself uh, the voice in the platform to speak out on these things that you're already speaking on. And I love that name, The War Report, because we are at War 365, man. So, appreciate you, man. I will uh, most definitely got to return the favor if you want me to uh, jump on uh, – our story with the Bedsu uh, radio program or yeah. the New African History Channel. Anything you need, please let me know, my brother. I appreciate you, man. Uh, much love to you and what you're doing with our people. Keep putting up the good fight, and then we got to organize yeah. on yeah. some political Most education definitely. offline. Um, but let's tap in offline. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I got to get yeah, you a copy yeah. of my book for sure. You definitely got to uh, add that. You got to add that to my So, collection. yeah, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate you, my brother. Uh, much love to you. Uh, Abibi Fahodier and uh, Free the Land. Uh, and uh, free all the African yeah. and new African political prisoners of war. Um, this, this concludes the episode of uh, the new... 
New African Consciousness in the Conquering Jungle with my brother, Conrad Hockey Quali Shakur. Thank you, my brother. It was a pleasure. And uh, we most definitely will build again uh, in the near future. Peace and love, everybody. A BB for Hodier, uh, free them all, and all power to African people.